On this episode of Ashes 613, I visit with two of the members from the band Six Hours for a Lifetime. We reminisce about being Gen Xers as we talk about pagers and encyclopedias. We talk about the unmerited favor and grace of God and how prodigals can come back no matter how far they've strayed. And we get an acoustic debut of my favorite song, The Carpenter. Okay. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Wow. Hi. How are y'all? Good. Being amazed. Good. I'm glad you got it fixed. <laughs> yeah. Us too. Yeah. So where are y'all at? A little town called uh, Chapmanville, West Virginia. Chatlinville. Chapmanville. Chapmanville. We're south Chapman. of Charleston. Chapmanville. Yeah. Oh, you're in the mountains. Yes, we're in the hills. Yeah. Perfect. Now, are you guys originally from West Virginia? Born and raised. Yeah. Perfect. So uh, you've been to Boone County, West Virginia then? Oh, it's just right up the road, 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to. I've been to Boone County way before anybody knew about Boone County. I'm thinking, well, okay, that's how it is. But I love it up there. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, West Virginia and Eastern Kentucky, probably two of the prettiest places I've ever been. I've been everywhere, and y'all probably have too, but it's beautiful there. So, happy Saturday. How's your Saturday going? Well, it started off pretty good till we had all this mess here, and there's no sales service here at the, we're at the church okay. and there's no cell service here at the church. So you got to have Wi-Fi. get here. It's not working. So I got to run out to message you and run oh. back. Yeah. So then we got it working. Good. So, yeah. okay. So it makes it, it was just a hectic morning. Yeah. So, but that's okay. So we're here now and I was okay. I just got up. I hadn't been up that long. So I was just, I was kind of in a rush too. We ran out to get another selfie light and get a cup of coffee. And it was like 945 and I didn't have any makeup on. I was like, oh my gosh, I got 15 minutes. I got to be in that Zoom meeting. So it worked out okay for me just to be able to hang out for a minute and drink my coffee. <laughs> right. Cause yeah, I was running yeah. a little like <laughs> I slid in here like crazy woman. Okay, so you have a band called Six Hours for a Lifetime. Yeah. And and tell us about that name and who who came up with that and why the name. Um so six hours for a lifetime is it's not only our name, it's it's kind of our mantra, I guess, between the guys. Um so we were going back and forth trying to figure out some profound name that, that we could, you know, sleep on it and then uh, kind of unleash to the world that, that they would be like, oh, wow, what a name. And these guys over and over and over come up with these cool names and for, for weeks. It was a while. For weeks. And um, every time that we would come up with a name, it was somebody had already taken it. So um you want to tell her about the six hours yeah we was uh so we was on the phone one day and uh we get asked this a lot so <laughs> right <laughs> um we was on the phone going over these names uh 
Kevin, who's not able to join us today, he had family things, he uh, family reunion or something where he's from. So I, he's probably traveling today. But uh, we was on a three-way call, and we've been going over these names, over these names, over these names. And finally, I'm we're sitting there talking about the name again, well, what we're going to call ourselves. And uh, there's a lyric in one of our songs, uh, One More Time. It's on the album. I don't know if you've listened to that song yet or not. Yep. Um, it's and and it's in the lyric in the second verse it says that six hours of pure agony and i and i'm sitting there i said guys uh, what about six hours and i was like no he didn't <laughs> no no i was like and then kevin uh so well, what's six hours man well he didn't ask at that moment uh but jamie was no and then when he said no i know pull the plug on it. so uh Couple of days later, me and Kevin's on the phone. We're, we're at the time at the time we're recording, and I was calling him about something. I was having to send him or something, and we get talking about the name. And then he asked me. He said the other day, he said, "What what did six hours stand for?" I said, "He I said, well, Christ was on the cross for six hours. The last you know the last hours of his life, minutes, seconds. The last six hours he was on the cross for you know and." Uh, He's and he got quiet and he said six hours for a lifetime. I said, "What'd you just say?" He said, six hours for a lifetime, for your lifetime, my lifetime." He said he took the place the last six hours of his life for our lifetime. Right. I get chills every time I say Ooh. it. Well, yeah. Look, I, I'm gonna try yeah. not to cry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I said, "That's I said, that's awesome." Yeah. I said, "That's it. Six hours <laughs> for a lifetime. That's the name." And yeah, okay, Jamie. So I was out of town working <laughs> and we share this a lot. <laughs> and he calls me, he says, Okay, we got our name. And I'm like, Okay. And he tells me, and he's he said, It's submitted, that's our name. And so I pulled off on the side of the road, I got out, I kissed the ground. <laughs> <laughs> the lady in the shop over there was like looking at me like. <laughs> I walked out. I'm like, I'd like to say thank you that we finally found our name. And no, but it was it was a relief to say the least. It was we, it, 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 this went on for weeks. Right. Yeah, yeah. But did you feel like with the other names, you felt like, well, that's pretty good. Well, that's not as good. That's pretty good. But did this one feel like, yes, that's who oh. we are? Oh, I, I know that the moment, the, I know the moment he said that, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's because, who we are. Yeah. You know, I, I know the six hours, what the six hours represented, you know? Right. Yeah. That was, yeah. But I did not until that time in my life. And I've been, uh, I got saved August 22nd of 99. That moment in my time, in my, you know, that moment, I was like, holy smoke, what you right. just said, Kevin. You know what I mean? And right. sometimes That's... we lose grasp of the cross. You know, we we forget. I don't say we forget it, but we do. We get we take it for granted. We get worried about it. We take it for granted sometimes. We get worried about ourselves sometimes. And we, you know, sadly enough, as Christians, we know we stumble enough. But, right. but yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that we do. Everybody, you just get busy. You don't mean to, but you get busy and life happens and, and you just push that to the back of your mind. And then somebody reminds you and that the magnitude of that, the six hours of agony, uh, for my life, for your life. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That's an incredible story. I love it. Yeah. So tell me your what are your names and you're missing a third, right? Tell us. Yes. Well, uh, I'm Jeff. Um, okay. Um, he he he's a, he's our lead singer. Yeah. And, and he plays okay. he plays guitar. Um, I'm Jamie, and I play a little bit of guitar and plays a lot of guitar, and I sing a little bit, but not a lot. Um, he can sing too. And then Kevin. He is our. <laughs> he's our everything. Yeah, he's he's, 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 a, he's producer, mixer, master. He's our Kevin, and he's player. missing. Our yeah. Kevin is missing. <laughs> yeah, he 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 wanted to be here, but he just couldn't today. So it's okay. Yeah, so, I hate doing this, but we know you want to do this, and he said, "Go ahead, you all go ahead and do it." But Kevin, right. he's he is a. So me and Jeff, we started this journey about 20 years ago. You know, we took like a 15-year hiatus. But then, okay. you know, we got back together and, and we reconnected. Um, the songs on the album's 20-year-old songs, 20-plus-year-old yeah. songs. I don't know if you know that or not. Oh, you guys wrote those. 20 um, years ago. 20 yeah. years ago. Before the, on the album. Oh. The songs okay. on the album. Yeah. Right. And then, you now- know, Sorry, so how did you how did you guys meet? You've known each other a long time. So actually, I was sixteen, and Jeff was in his early twenties. Yeah, and um, I was actually in a place that I probably shouldn't have been, and Jeff was at the same place, but he was there for a better reason. He was there witnessing to a mutual friend that we had that we didn't know that we, we were, you know, you want to meet that day. And he walks up to me. I was actually in my truck working on a CD player throwback. And, uh, <laughs> yes. and he, he leans over in the truck. He says, how you doing, bud? And I said, I'm fixing to lose my religion on this CD player. And he said, don't do that. <laughs> and from, from then on, um, yeah, I, we started playing guitar. He said, "You know, I think I might have my guitar at day. Guitar, yeah. yeah, I had my guitar at day, and uh, yeah. we get talk. We got talking about playing music, and um, he said, "Well, I play some music," and so I showed up at his house. I think a couple of days later, and and I actually then I got to hear him play, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. "I don't know about this. <laughs> I weren't very good." I still, I'm still not thinking he's good, uh, but good. that's how we, that's how we met. And we, we started playing, uh, we, we, we joined forces with another one of our great friends. Uh, he lives down South now. He moved to Whitten Air Force and our first original bass player. He moved in Air Force. He went in Air Force and moved down South. And, I'm still uh, salty about this. But, yeah. But, <laughs> His, his name's Gabe, but uh, Gabe knows we we all three still talk occasionally from time to time and catch up. And but Gabe left and uh, had another guy uh, played bass, another guy played drums, and eventually 
I'd met my wife and, and, and I, and of course got married and, and the things was changing and, and things, it just wasn't the right moment in our lives yeah. at that time. And there, we know why now, because God reveals things to, you know, reveal stuff to you, but it wasn't time for us to keep playing at that time. Yeah. So we kind of like, Split. Jamie started his life, began his life. He ended up a few couple years later getting married and meeting his wife and getting married. And and of course we've been dealing with life these past 18 years, you know, 16, 17 right. years since we last played together. And then we got hooked back up, started jamming a little, then he had this crazy idea to do this. So uh he presented it. And of course I said, well, why not? He said, it's, uh, it's so easy to record now. You know, you, you don't have to, it ain't all the red tape and it was used to be. And I was like, okay, we can say independent. We don't have to get nobody involved, you know? And, uh, and that seems to be, that seems to be like a, a more popular trend among musicians, especially right there in Appalachia. And I love it. All the indie artists that have realized you know, you don't need Nashville and you don't need great big record labels who, you know, really ultimately have the ultimate say and control in the music you put out. Yes. And so, you know, yeah, it's so much easier now than it used to be. You know, back when we were all teenagers, you couldn't really record your own stuff unless you just had a ton of money. And now there's this fantastic recording software you just put on your laptop and sound professional. And it's just amazing. So I'm yeah. thrilled you know, as a, a creative person myself to see how far that, that we have come in that creative field and we have more control over what we do. So I do love that too. Um, so you guys are going to play now my, I, my favorite song of yours is a song called the carpenter. So tell me who wrote that song and let's talk a little bit about that song. Go ahead, Jamie. <laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> So this is that's a new song, first of all. Yeah, I, I, really, I mean this is a this is a new one. So I was in I was actually coming back from Memphis and um I had been studying quite a bit about the crucifixion and trying to read every piece of literature that I could find on the internet. Just I wanted I wanted to I wanted it to affect me on a different level. I wanted to know everything I could about it. And um, for like, I don't know, two months or so, I kept on, I kept on thinking about um, a, a, a relationship between a carpenter and his craft. And what sprung the idea of the like the narrative of the song is how a carpenter can see just an ugly piece of wood that most you know most everybody would walk by and just you know whatever but he might see a rocking chair or he might see a beautiful cabinet or a beautiful piece of furniture and i thought i put you know i put this this thought in action and i'm like well that's exactly how Christ looks at us you know he doesn't he sees, he sees my potential. He has confidence in me, even when I'm 
less than you know less than desirable and even when we're old blocks of wood yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. ugly and, and <laughs> me right that's what i am yeah yeah and well no that's all of us though you know I just so we need to write a poem called just an old block of wood yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm working i'm working on 146 <laughs> but um <laughs> no but when, when you when you read the scriptures it doesn't take long to 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 see that our emotions our heart even even in the scriptures it says that they're dreadfully deceitful and it says that every man's heart is wicked so when i when i wrote the carpenter i really thought about like all my imperfections and like the things that I struggle with and the things that I have struggled with and trying to get to that place in, later on in life, because, you know, I fell away from the faith. I didn't even know that I believed in God for the longest time. And, um, you know, going on three and a half, four years ago, you know, I rededicated my life and I actually, encountered God this time and it, and it was different and <clears throat> getting to the point that I understand that God sees me differently than I view myself that's that's the hardest thing because I do feel remorse and and you know I've been hurt in life deeply and I know that I've had to hurt people you know emotionally and I'm sorry for that and um, a, a long list of other things that I'm sorry for, but understanding that God sees that Christ sees past that and he sees our potential. And that's what the carpenter's about. I love that story. And speaking of, you were talking about your imperfections. Um, you know, a carpenter can take an imperfection in a piece of wood, like a knot, and actually, instead of taking it out, he can work around that and make it beautiful and make sure. it part of the final piece. Yeah. So instead of pretending, which I think Christians are the very best at masquerading, um, and, and we feel like we have to be perfect. I think that we should just say to people, look, I'm an old block of wood and you see all these nicks and you see all these knots and you see all this. These are all my imperfections, but right. Christ has taken that and made something beautiful for his glory. Um, right. You know, like uh, we have this uh, anointing in jars of clay, you know, so that people can see that it's not the vessel that's important, but what's on the inside. Absolutely. Right. So I was thinking about that. I'd never thought about that until you said that about the imperfections. And I thought, well, you know, like I'm looking around. I don't know if you can see. Yeah, yeah, my my room. Do you see the wood? And there's all those yeah. knots, but it's beautiful, isn't it? It's not perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I hadn't thought about that until just now that the imperfections can be beautiful. Yeah, and then you know, too, with with thinking about a carpenter, you know, you if you see like my grand my grandfather, for instance, he, he was a craftsman, and his hands was just beat up all the time. And, you know, they're dry and they're cracked and like bruised thumbnails and just, just his hands stayed murdered. And then, you know, you think about Christ, you, you look at, you look at 
the idea of Christ's hands with the nail prints, that those nail prints are my sin. That is my shame. That is my guilt. That is my lies. That is, I was pilot. I was the mob, you know, I keep yeah. going on about this and, and it shows right there in his hands and they're stretched out towards us calling, please come. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So Jesus probably still has some, uh, bruised up thumbnails because I mean I'm pretty hard to deal with. And yeah, I was, I was thinking the same thing you're thinking. I'd like to see his hands. <laughs> right, uh, not just we know the nail out. scars is there and what it represents, but you know yeah. I was thinking like you saying, man, I bet the Lord's hands is beat all to pieces. All <laughs> to pieces because I know for one I am very hard to deal with, and I don't know why he continues to contend with me, but he does, and I'm so yeah. thankful because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. wow, could I be a more rebellious child? You know, like. <laughs> Ooh, well, but he is so he's so good to me you know and so faithful always yes has he been. is yes he is right. it's a beautiful thing it really is to see a true christian at work it's it's it amazing is. yeah so are you guys gonna play the carpenter for me it's up to him that's his it baby is, this this song's got a lot of moving parts <laughs> And I'm gonna go get me a Mountain Dew while he does it. Hold up, before perfect. You start. So, I, I actually, if I play, I'm gonna play this. You will be the first person that I've done this that I've done this for. It, no, I haven't played it except on the album or the the single that we released. It's never been played live. It's never been okay. So this is the live debut. That's perfect. Yeah, and you know, barely well, we need to back up a little bit. Barely. <laughs> I don't want to see my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so bear with me. Be did gentle. You told us the first time ever you've ever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get started, <clears throat> and you can leave, you can edit this or out, but I'll share it with you. He was so excited about this song when he wrote it. And then when he when I heard it, I said, Jamie, that is that is a beautiful best song you ever wrote and he's wrote a few songs you know and i hear them all i said that is the best song you've ever wrote i mean it is beautiful I and it, it and he uh it, when we released it it was and uh it's yesterday was it yesterday yesterday uh we're part of a group on facebook and and they put the carpenter on one of their playlists and uh, and I and I screenshot it and I sent. It, I said, "Looky here." Uh, I said, "Carpenter made a playlist, a Spotify playlist with some other artists." And uh, I said, "Smile," you know, because this song means a lot to him, and I know it does. And and but I want to share it. He he was so excited when he wrote this, and he deserved to be because it's a great song. Well, this song, it's a, this is my this is. This is where I'm at. You know, that's what's so special to me. And I feel it's like, I feel like maybe a lot of people's at this point, you know? So, but anyway. So I, were you, were you shocked when you said, Hey, what's my favorite, what's your favorite song of ours? And I said, well, I want you to play the carpenter. So how, what was your reaction to that? I was like, Oh no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't played this. I literally haven't played this song since we were. I was dreading telling him. I said, Jamie, 
I said, uh, I'm humbled. She's wanting us to sing a song. He said, okay, which song she's going to sing? Cause he was, I know what he was saying and I'll get to play the guitar. You, you know, you do, you sing and whatever. I said, she's wanting to hear the carpenter, bub. <laughs> I know he immediately went like this. I couldn't see, but I know it was like, because I had no idea, you know, the story of the song and, yeah, and who yeah. wrote it or anything about it. Right. It's yeah. just my favorite. So, okay. Well, I'm going to put you on the big, <laughs> I'm going to hide self view. And so it's just going to be all you. All right, bub. Let's hear it. <laughs> Yeah. 
that song that has wrecked me that was everything i could do to keep my composure how many times can i cry on one single episode of a podcast (laughs) (laughs) doing this number how to go bathroom get a tissue that was it's very very kind it's very humbling for me i'm glad it's a very spiritual song it's very unique it's very singer songwriter it's very uh it's why it hasn't <clears throat> blowed up but i don't know yet but it, i'm not it I'm will not it's, thing, it's but, time uh, to it, it'll come it's time's yeah. coming tell me what are your musical what were some of your musical influences then growing up what would you listen to uh well I started off at a young age being exposed to music and it was like seven, like seventies rock, um, a lot of Southern rock. Uh, and then as I got older, um, I, I, I actually have a love for bluegrass, which he's rolling his eyes right now, but I, I, I like, I like bluegrass, but, um, as I was growing up though, in like my, my teen years, like I was crazy about grunge rock. I mean, I'm still rocking the, the nineties flannels and it's 80 degrees outside. So, but, um, so grunge rock, nineties, grunge rock, give me a absolutely. couple, a couple, a like, couple bands like Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, yes. I uh, still on occasion, get ready for this over here. I'm going to let you in on a little, little secret of mine. Well, put on in my kitchen and dance around while I'm cooking. Yellow lead better by. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then then Nothing wrong with that. Right. Then Creed come it. out and in like the late nineties, mid late nineties, and I heard Mark Tremonti play this style of guitar that I'd never heard before. Right. And usually, like, I could sit down and I could figure stuff out pretty easily. And I could not put my finger on how he was doing what he was doing. So hmm. back then, you know, I really wasn't into the Internet or whatever. So I used, like, books, like guitar books to learn this stuff. And Mark Tremonti, he, like, Creed opened me up to so many different um, styles of, of guitar um, all these different alternate tunings and stuff like that. And then I just fell in love with their music and I still do. Like if you listen, if you look at my phone playlist, it's, it's straight, it's straight nineties, some early two thousands, but like, I'd say that Mark Tremonti is probably my biggest influence, which we haven't done really anything with Not that yet. style Not yet. yet. We, but, it's there, but we just ain't released nothing. We're working on one right now. That's, we feel that's going to be yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's going to be a good. One. It's it's using his signature tuning, but um, okay. I'm yeah. excited. That's my that that's kind of where I that was my formative years with with guitar. How about you, Jeff? What? Well, I'm a '90s baby. <laughs> He's going to stay. Of course, oh, I'm, I'm, four, I'm 45 years old. I have an older that's I have an older brother that's six years older than me, and uh, he lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. He, he went to college, moved away. We we still close. He's like he's like my brother slash dad because my dad had to work eight days a week. It was four of us. Um, my dad was a lineman, um, which didn't make much, didn't make a whole lot, but back then but now of course wages went up and inflation went up too so it really don't matter but uh but the um 
I'm a lineman at trade now. I graduated high school, went straight to work building power lines with my dad, but um, I still do it today. But but I've got an older brother, and he was six years. He was born in 72. I was born in 78. So 80s was wonderful to me. 80s, I was a kid in the 80s growing up. Got a, a brother that's six years old. Man, I've got to have one, a, a sister that's a year younger than me. Uh and I, I have a younger brother that's uh, three years younger than me. So us three is real close. But there's a big gap between me and my older brother. And But he listened to uh, eight, him and my first cousin listened to a lot of 80s rock, Bon Jovi, uh, Poison, yeah. uh, Def Leppard, uh, Guns N' Roses. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm a big GNR fan. I love Guns N' Roses. So, um, my second favorite band all the time. Close to first, but you know, but then the nineties roll around my brother, you know, he moves away. Now I got my younger brother and I shared this. We done a podcast last week. I shared this. My younger brother comes home one day. He said, with a CD his, his buddy at school, let him borrow it. He said, you got to listen to this. And, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. The first time me hearing this band and, and he puts the CD in the CD player, spins it, hits play. And it's Nirvana, smells like teen spirit. And, and I'm like, at, from that day first, I was hooked. Uh, Nirvana, obviously, is my favorite band of all time. Uh, I'll never get to hear them, unfortunately, live. Uh, like, he's not joking. Like, he, he's obsessed. Um, I'm not as much as I, I used to be. But, yeah. but it, anyway, I'm Stone Temple Pilot kind of guy. Allison Chains, uh, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. And I can tell you 90s bands that you may or may not ever heard of that, that I listen to. Uh, there's so much great music in the 90s, uh, even down to uh, uh, Mazzy Star, you know. Uh, oh, I uh, love Mazzy Star. I mean, there's so many bands during that era that, that, yeah. that had so much familiar but different sounds that. The Cranberries. Uh, the Cranberries. I love the Cranberries. That's tragic, you know. That, yeah, yeah. That to me, that's that's the last era of music. That there's nothing changed pop culture since then. There's nothing. Uh, yeah. There's, you know, it's like the world has stood still since then. You got your new metal and your death metal and all that, you know, which is fine. Danny. And Metallica, I love Metallica. Uh, I actually went and seen Metallica. Uh, took my 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 middle son and went and seen Metallica. Uh, before COVID, I think a couple of years before COVID in Cincinnati, went and seen them. And uh, they've stood the test of time. You know, uh, I, lo I love Metallica. But Metallica, you know, they go so many ways with their music from from yeah. wide open to soft and melody to kindly type. And they've, you know, <laughs> but 90s was a, a, that's my bread and butter. We're just old Gen Xers and that's what it is. I'm just, a Gen yeah. I don't think, Gen Xers, we don't, we don't change. We just stay. And I think even my kids said that they're like, you know, people change and everybody changes and listens to different music. He said, Gen Xers don't grow up. You guys just stay 19. It's like, you're stuck there. <laughs> and I'm like, I am stuck there. That's, right. so, that's so true though. Cause I feel like I, in my mind, I'm still 16, you know, that's what I, all the kids say. They're son, like, oh. my, my son, he's got a dirt bike. And I was like, here, let me show you how to do this. And, <laughs> I can't walk the next day. You know? Right. In my mind, I still think that I can still do this stuff, you know? So, 
all the kids at the house said that they're like we've never seen a generation that just refuses to grow up like the gen xers and i'm like yeah i didn't even take offense to it i was like that's right (laughs) and they're like see that's what i'm saying they're like we're older than you a complete generation of anarchists we were just complete still are we don't know any other way yeah we're we are a different and and i think we mentioned this i think last week we're the last generation that um grew up without internet without social media without them things we survived we live life grand as the best years of our lives and we are the only generation that has that it's had been part of that we're the last generation that was part of that world and the new world and we and, and we yeah and we're we're adapting we, we adapted <laughs> uh you know we're we're in this new world. We're in this new society, new social media, new you know everything. Bow bow which, bow bow. And which I I could <laughs> I didn't have internet. I refused to get internet for like the longest time until my son started school. We never had internet. It doesn't And my son, people would come over to the house and they'd be like, "What's your Wi-Fi password?" And <laughs> James would point at the encyclopedias. He, that's it's the right. we told him for his whole life those, that's the internet that's the internet and, and he really did he honestly thought that the you know the bookcase in the house yeah. the encyclopedias that was the internet to him <laughs> i never know that yeah. wait i see yeah. i know i was yeah. trying to tell the kids about when we would all get together and party and i said well we would just randomly show up at each other's houses sometimes i said but if a random if a group of us were together and one was missing what did we do we paged him where are you at we would page him and then we would wait at whatever phone we had paged him from until yeah. he called back so and then we'd be like hey dude where are you at Right. Yeah, yeah, and they're like a pager, a beeper. Yeah. What's that? And I'm like, well, the number came up, and you had to go find a phone and call the number to yeah, see yeah. what was. I so showed my, my son my old beeper, and he he was looking at it, and he was like, "What does it do?" And I was like, <laughs> "Beep." I was like, "I was like, it beeps." beeps. He's like, "How do you turn?" I said, "Turn it on," and he was like, "How on?" Hey, hey, Siri. Right, <laughs> completely <laughs> lost. <laughs> Right. I had found an old rotary phone, the kind where you do like this and then yeah. it goes. Well, and I had a home phone, but it wasn't like a dial in. It was you put it in the back of the computer and it was just a package that came with my Internet at some point. And I took this old phone and I plugged it in the back of this computer and you should have seen the kids trying to work it. Had yeah. no idea. Sticking their finger in the holes, pushing yeah. it, moving it. It was funny, but yeah, they said no idea. And then, and I showed him my old Walkman and I was like, this is the ear, this is like earbuds. And right. he, at me, he was like, it was hard in all the days, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Back in the old days, right? Yeah. We had it so wrong, but tell us about, was there a time in your life that you got away from God and how that went and what happened to bring you back? Yeah. Um, I was, uh, my mom and dad got in church, got started going to church in 1986. And of course, I'm about around eight years old at the time. My grandmother lived next door and little church 
right, we could walk to it that my grandmother went to. Uh, we would go to Sunday school at a young, you know, as little kids, you know, but um, that was the that was the gift of church. We'd go to Sunday school with grandma on Sunday morning, and that was it. See, I was about eight years old when my mom and dad gave their life to the Lord, and the Lord, you know, saved their lives. And um, so we started going to a little church um, not far from the house, and we never missed a service. I mean, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, revivals. If revivals went three, four weeks long, we was there every night, you know. And so I am so grateful and thankful, you know, that my mom and dad – you know, answered answered the call of the gospel and give their life to the Lord. Because uh, without that happening, I would not be where I am today. And along with my grandmother, she instilled a lot of things in my life because uh, she lived next door. I was over there all the time. And I love my grandmother to death. But um, I'm trying to sum this up. Around the age of 14, 13, 14, you know, I started, you know, I guess looking over the fence, you know, you know, I just, uh, just curiosity kills the cat. And, uh, uh, had my first drink of alcohol, I think I was around 14 years old. Um, started smoking a little bit of pot, you know, around that time period, somewhere in there too, started smoking a little bit of it. And, and uh, I just quit going to church, quit, quit, you know, mom and dad was, uh, uh, we got certain ages, they left it up to us. They encouraged us still to go, but by 16, you know, I was, I was very rarely going to church and, and of course in the high school, by the time I was, by the time I was 17 years old, I was, I was wide open. I was, you know, partying on the weekends. Uh, senior year of high school, going into it, you know, drinking, partying, going to parties, you know, doing, you know, smoke, smoking my pot, you know, and then then started venturing into other drugs. And unfortunately, I really got into drugs. I mean, I love, love my drugs. I, 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 I share this at church all the time. I loved getting high any high I, I loved it I enjoyed it and it got to the point that it it totally controlled my life um my oldest son was born I was 19 years old um I weren't worth five cents at that time and um but God I'm, I thank God that he was he was born I, uh, I I tell him to this day if he if he would not been born I, I I know I'd probably be dead. I done they done me buried me because all my friends, most of them's dead and gone now. I have very few that's still alive. And uh, by the time I was 19, 20 years old, I was on a total path of destruction. Uh, there's no drug pre nineteen ninety nine that has not been in this body. I got real, uh, real heavy into uh, psychedelic drugs, acid. They got real heavy into that. Um, and around 1920, when my son was born, I started falling into, I look back now, it was condemnation. It was, it was, 
I, I felt so horrible. I knowed where I needed to be. I know, I knowed right from wrong. Um, uh, but I didn't know whether I was going or coming. I had so many chemicals in my body from the uppers to the downers, to the, to the sideways. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know, didn't know where I was at half the time. There'd be days that, you know, I'd run into people days after, man, man, you, you remember, you do this, uh, you remember this other night? No, bub, I've shortened it. I, I really don't, don't remember a couple of days here now, but it got to the point that it controlled me. It got to the point that I was wanting to change around 21, uh, 20, 21. I was wanting to change. I know I needed to change. My, my son was um, born in 98. Uh, this is, you know, he's, he's turning a year old. I haven't, you know, nothing to hardly do with him. Uh, I was ashamed of myself. I was ashamed of what I'd become. But I, it's like I would try to change, and I couldn't change. I couldn't, couldn't drop the drugs. I couldn't quit. I could not, you know. It just like uh, it, it was, it was a, a troubled, wearisome time, and uh, suicidal thoughts, um, depressed, um, just didn't, didn't feel like living. Uh, doubted God. Uh, I'd lay a many a night just thinking, if there's a God, I know how bad I am. And what I've heard all my old life, Jesus is coming, he's a coming, he's a coming. I know how bad I am. I know how bad the world is around me at this time. If I was Jesus, I know that I'd done showed up. And, he, you know, you know, things like that was going through my mind, you know. And uh, we uh, got to the point that, that uh, my mom and me, uh, I told her I needed help. We'd seen, I went and seen a couple of psychiatrists. Um, one tried to put me on some drugs I was trying to get off. <laughs> and one psychiatrist told me, son, the only thing you need is ask Jesus in your life. She said, that's the only, that's the only thing going to fix you. And uh, was in jail, in and out of jail a few times. And uh, I, I was a mess. I was a flat mess. And um August the 22nd of 99, May, May 10th of, of 99, I'd lost my operators to a, D, a DUI. And it's like, got the brakes, you know, it's like life stood still. It's like, I needed that. That, that had, I shouldn't have been driving, you know, drunk, but I'm, it, it, that needed to happen because uh, my friends, there was no friends around. Uh, I was at home, 21 years old. Uh, no work, nobody that you know didn't work seeing nobody, nobody you know. Uh, it, it was showing up, no calls. Uh, they forgot about uh, no operators, no ride. Uh, life of the party, you know. I'm I'm stuck at home, 21 years old at my parents' house, and from May. To August, I got a lot of time sitting thinking. Every Sunday, my mom would ask me, "You want to go to church tonight?" I'd say, "Get out of my face! Don't talk to me about that, you know, church stuff." I don't. When I'm ready to go to church, I'll go to church. And then the night that 
I went August the 22nd of 99. Mom come through the house and I was getting my shoes on. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to church. She didn't say a word. And she, when she went out the door, she was crying. She was praying, you know, Lord, just save him tonight. My mom was really worried about me. I'm a mama's boy. And I done things to my mom during that time period that I, I, I needed hung. You know, I needed some more to put on the fire line. Things I've done to my mom. She was so gracious and humble and loved me to the end, never give up on me. And uh, went to church that night. Preacher preached a message by the guy. Uh, preacher's name was Lenny Rollins. And uh, preached the message. I'm sitting there on the pew about three rows back. And he gives the altar call. I'm waiting for the old heart to beat real fast. I'm waiting to feel something. I'm waiting for lightning to strike me. I'm waiting, you know, to hear God's voice come, my son. You know, I'm waiting for all this and nothing. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. Altar call's over. I was like, well. Then all of a sudden, the preacher Lenny stops. He said, the Lord's put this on my heart to say. And he said, I feel like somebody needs to hear this here tonight. He said, what if this is the last time that God's going to deal with your heart? Mm -hmm. The moment that come out of that man's mouth, my heart started racing 150,000 miles per hour. And at that moment in time, Paul, Apostle Paul writes about spiritual gifts. And one spiritual gift is a discerner of spirits. If you read in the book of Acts, when Cornelius and his house was saved, the word of God says when they heard the word, the Holy Spirit come in, set upon them, and it filled them. And they begin to speak with tongues and magnify God. The Holy Spirit had come into my, into my heart right then and there. God, he's saying, I stand at the door and knock. And in that moment of time, Something was telling me to move then, to go. He's talking to you. I felt it. I felt it in my heart that he's talking to me right now. I know it. And immediately, there's a little voice in my mind saying, don't you go up there. Don't you go up there. My thoughts was telling me, don't you go up there. You're going to have to give up your party. And you're going to have to give up your drugs. You're going to have to give up all those things. I'm like, wait a minute. I come here tonight. Because I wanted to change. I wanted to be on that altar. Something's telling me to go that he's, he meant that for me. And I'm hearing something else that's not me telling me not to go. I know right then there was difference between good and evil. The son of spirit. The Holy Spirit had come in already. I just had to move. And when I moved, I ran to that altar. It's like and everybody shares this, and of course, mine's the same story. It's like 50 million thousand pounds was lifted off my shoulders. That's exactly. I right. was free, and I was free indeed. I cried. Oh, I, I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what to say. All I could say is, you know, God, for, I, I'm about to cry now. God, forgive me. I, that's all I could say. Just save me and help me. That was my prayer when I got saved. God, forgive me, save me, and help me. I, I, I need help. And I've never been the same since that day. God saved me, sealed me, and filled me with the Holy Spirit, called me to preach the gospel a couple of years later. I actually pastor a church now. I've been pastoring about four years. I evangelize from 
21 years old. Well, about 23 when he called me to preach till, till COVID hit, I, I took pastor of the church that I'm, I'm pastoring now. So yeah, that's my kindly pass to how I got converted to where I'm at now. So that's uh that's an amazing story and, and kind of like so many others, you know, where God just calls you when you're dirty and, and then works on cleaning you up later. And I had you you said that little voice said, uh, I'm gonna have to give up my party and I'm gonna have to give up my my rock and roll music. And I had a girl ask me one time I was telling her about Jesus and she said, I'd like to be a Christian. I really would. She said, but I mean, I don't want to have to give up my rock and roll music and, and drinking beers, smoking cigarettes. Am I going to have to quit that stuff? And I said, well, that's not up to me. So that that's between you and God. That's not, that's not up to me. And he will let you know what he needs you to do. I'm just here to tell you that Jesus loves you. But I think that's people's, their, their fear is giving up that lifestyle and they don't realize what they get in return. It's a CS Lewis has a quote that says, now I know I'm going to butcher it. I'm not going to get it right, but it goes something like uh, we are half hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, like children making mud pies in a slum mm. because we have no idea of what is meant by the offer of holiday at the sea. Mm. And that quote just floors me. We're mm. like children making mud pies because we don't know what it means if somebody offers us holiday at the sea. And so we don't want to give up. We don't want to get out of that slum and out of and making mud pies. But, you know, because there's a comfortableness in what, you know, there just is. There's fear in the unknown. There's comfortableness. And that's why people stay in abusive relationships and abusive situations in life. And they stay at jobs that they hate because they fear what they don't know. And, you know, there are so many people that don't know. Now, we can't imagine growing up in Appalachia because even though it's kind of unknown to us, it's not. It's very known. You knew when you went to church, you know that feeling, you know God. But I recently, in the last couple of years of my life, came across a person who was from Los Angeles. And um, I, I, I met a couple of people from LA, but we were talking about Christmas and, and something got said about Jesus. And this person very authentically, she wasn't being a smart aleck, looked at us and said, what's Jesus had to do with Christmas? Wow. <laughs> she meant that she had yeah. no idea. And when we started telling her, she said, are you kidding me? And she thought we were making it up. She really? had no idea that, wow. right. So we can't imagine being from Appalachia that there are people that don't know these stories and don't know this feeling and don't know this God and don't know Jesus. We can't imagine, but there are. And so, and there's more comfortableness in their, whatever their lifestyle that they have chosen. They are literally terrified of Christians and terrified of Jesus. And when you come out into the world outside of the South, the Southern and the Southeast part of the United States, there are people who are terrified of us. Mm -hmm. They're terrified of Christians. And I can't imagine that. Um, and I most, don't, I, I struggle with that on most humblest people in all reality. We are on planet earth. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Jamie, how about your story? What have you, you said something about that you maybe didn't even believe in God at one point. Oh, didn't know what up. you believe. I did not believe in God. I was, 
from a young age, I went to church, just like most everybody, you know, from this area. Um, my parents didn't didn't go to church, but my uncle took me to church, and I never missed a Sunday, never missed a Wednesday, and um, and they were the old fashioned. Um, Pentecostal, just hellfire and brimstone every message. And um, I mean, just looking back on it now, like at, a, at such a young age, like I was even then like trying to process what was going on here, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not throwing off on any denomination or anything like that. I'm just saying like trying to understand that approach to the gospel at that young of an age, it kind of, it was just like, it was a lot to take in. Right. And, um, so fast forward a couple of years, my mother, she ends up giving her life to the Lord and, um, we start going to church regularly, you know, as, as a family. And, um, I had questions, but at the same time, like I was willing to accept the gospel. You know what I mean? I was willing to accept it as truth, but I would lay in bed at night and I would like one on one equals two. And like, this is not one on one, you know? And, um, just over, you know, seven or eight years, I, I just got to the point to where I wasn't even for sure. And I met this guy. And he had something about him that was completely different from anyone that I'd ever met. And I, I joke about it, and I say that Jeff kept me honest in my in my teen years, and he did to a certain extent because I looked up to him. He for one, he had a job, he had a nice truck, um, he had a charisma about him that that was very welcoming, and he genuinely wanted to be around me. And I hadn't really ever had that before in my life. So naturally I was drawn to him. And um, I worked so hard trying to mimic his lifestyle that I lost, like I, I wanted to live, I wanted to live like, I wanted to have his um, drive, I guess. And what that done in hindsight, it, I lost track of like what it actually was that caused him to be the way that he was. And so we were playing music and um, I'd gotten my driver's license at the time. And (laughs) that was all she wrote. I mean, girls and alcohol and experimenting with drugs and, um, that's a big part of why we stopped playing, I'm sure. Um, but after Jeff got got married and you know, me and Jeff kind of parted ways, because we were literally every every free moment that you had, we were together yeah. up until up until that point. And I lost my best friend. But it was because of my it was because of me. It wasn't him, it was me. I, I was the one that separated it. And and I know that now. So at that point, I stopped going to church and I just, I'd come to the conclusion that it was just, it just didn't add up. 
and for gosh the better part of 10 years like i i was an i was a straight up atheist and i was my own god i did what i wanted to do when i wanted to do it my thought process was you know you you make the life that you live i was consumed with work um uh, that that was my whole ambition in life was to to make as much money as what I could and and put and put as much back as I could and um I just I completely just disavowed the faith and um in my efforts to prove it wrong, just like in the carpenter, it says I sit down and I read the stories about the mysteries of your love. I got my hair standing up. <laughs> I got to the point in my life, there were some things that happened and like, I was, I had nowhere to go, but to look, look up. And I really didn't believe it for one, but at the same time, like that was the only thing that I know to go to. Right. And so I started studying and I really did. I studied hard in efforts to prove myself wrong or to prove it wrong. And one night on my couch, my wife, because I was married at this point, and my wife, she looked at me and I could see it on her face. She had been going to church a bit. And I, I looked at her and I said, I think that, that we should get saved and we sat on our couch in this little rinky dink house that you could see through the floors in that we was renting and we were so happy at that time too we had nothing <laughs> um and we sat on the couch and we and she held my hand and we prayed there on that couch that night and um i did receive salvation that night i honestly do believe that i did um but there was so much going on in my life we were going to church and the church they had there was some church hurt there the church split up and it caused me to kind of take a few steps in the wrong direction and i'm not going to say that I, I i turned away from the faith but i wasn't i wasn't like being productive with my faith if you know what i mean like it was uh it was a dry season in my life. I wasn't going to church much. Um and it, it just got to where I needed to reevaluate um my position with God. And like I said, you know, going on going on four years now, um, I repented and I experienced God on a different level. Um and now, you know, I tell this to people all the time. I can't tell you for certain that I'll make the mark. I'd like to say that I know for certain, but, you know, I don't know what tomorrow holds. But if I can just do, if I can just help one person find their way, then my life will have meant something whether or not I meet the mark in the end. And my whole position in life now is just, to tell people about Jesus. That's all that I want to do. And unfortunately, you know, we still have day-to-day -day jobs and right. I would like to get to the point to where this is what I do. Like I want to tell people about God and what God done in my life. And, uh, 
Like I said, I think that that's our purpose and that's, that is the human condition is to, is to promote the foot of the cross. Yeah. Right. Well, that, that's, uh, that's amazing. I love that, that you prayed, um, right there on that yes. couch. And, and I think that's important for people to realize that you don't, I mean, that's amazing. The two of you, the contrast there where, you know, you went to church and you felt God calling you to that altar and so many people and you felt 50,000 pounds lift off you. And I've had that feeling and that's amazing. But then the other story, you know, I felt God come into that, that little house, you know, with yeah. the floors that you could see through and right there on that, that couch, you know, with the blue light of the TV in the background. And we asked, you know, Christ into our hearts. I think it's important for people to know it doesn't matter where you're at. You could be in a cardboard right. box under a bridge. Yeah. You could be at the Sheridan hotel in New York city. It doesn't matter. You know, when you could be at church, there's nothing wrong with being at church and, and getting saved at church, but you don't have to be. I think that know. people, I think that there's a misconception about church because for so long, it's, it's been, it's been the practices. You go to church, you go to the altar, you get saved. But what we forget sometimes is that God dwells in the heart of man. The church is just a building. So, you know, if church, I'm not saying that don't go to church, you need to go to church. Like that's important. But what I'm getting at is um, it, getting to the point to where you know that you have no other way. That is, that is what God, that is God. That's what deals with you is that moment, that pivotal moment in life to where you don't have anywhere else to go. And knowing that without, without your submission to the call, that it's destruction. It's death at my own hands, just like in the, just like in that song. And and truly, that's where I was at. So you can find God anywhere. And people misconcept that, as Jamie said, you know, you got to go here, you got to do this, you got to do that. No, if you hear the gospel, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God and salvation. You know, Jesus, him crucified, buried, died, buried, resurrected in three days. That's the gospel. You believe that, you can be saved. There's no strings attached. That's the plan of salvation. Um, moving yourself down as a little child, you know, and, and believing it with uh, moving on your faith, believing the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen, you know. That's, um, God's everywhere though, you know. He is everywhere. We need to, so yeah. I want to say to people, because I don't want to mislead people about, about your music, that song that I had you play and that Jamie played acoustic and you played for me, I didn't have you play, but Jamie played for me, was kind enough. That was acoustic. That's not necessarily the type of music people are going to hear when they look up six hours no. for a lifetime. No. Okay. We, we, we are. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I don't want to mislead people. Right. It's not that it's not fantastic, but it's just not that. Like, right. I like, I like singer songwriter music. Like I love like indie folk and beard folk and like, yeah. Indie folk is my favorite. That's who I am. That's probably why I picked that. You could, that's why that's my song. Yeah. Yeah. So like I draw, I draw to that as well but um also there's that 90s grunge that that i it's like medicine to me so jeff he's the lyricist like 
God deals with him in a way that I can't even wrap my mind around. The way that he that he can convey a message in song, it's just second to none. I mean, it's 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 really unbelievable that we can do what right. we can do. I can like a lot of the music that you hear that we've released, like the singles and the album and what have you. Like I composed a lot of the music. Um, Jeff Jeff might have had a melody, um, and because he he writes his words to a melody, and then you know, he bring it to me, and then I'd hash it out and be like, well, this would be cool if we done this or that. We so, need a break here. Can yeah, you, can so you come up with a break? Like, you know? a lot of the music is a lot heavier than what the carpenter is. Yeah, but, yeah. but there's 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 that 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 avenue of music is also needed too um absolutely and i love it but at the end of the day god deals with the sick and the afflicted like that's why christ come here it was to mend the broken so our goal with this music is to offer offer someone that might be afraid of spiritual things or someone that's that's you know hung up on the stigma of christianity or religion what it will have you and they hear this and they're like, well, this is different. You know, maybe, and even the, even someone that might be lost, they might be listening to it and not even know, like we're on radio stations and playlists all around the world. And a lot of it's secular music radio stations. So mm -hmm. it's, it's an approach to the lost, you know, I guess to kind of force feed it to them in a way. Well, <laughs> you know? it's, it's just your, your chance to represent Christ to uh, maybe a, a different group of people and, and to represent Christ in a different way.